0: This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit DharmaOcean.org to learn more about becoming a supporting member. you are listening to the dharma ocean podcast in this talk reggie comments on the shocking nature of the meditative path of desire he says that the wisdom of vajrayana buddhism is that it does not offer answers but rather practices for realizing the lineage it is the unconventional way of awakening This talk was given at the August 2011 Dhyana Sangha Retreat, held at the Blazing Mountain Retreat Center in Crestone, Colorado.
1: So I um, really appreciate uh, everybody coming tonight, and it's a huge relief to be back with the Sangha. Caroline and I had an interesting experience um, in the VTI, which... How many people here were at at, uh, the Vajra Assembly or the the whole month? We had a a feast um, at the end and it was one of those Sangha occasions and of course it it came at the end of a whole month so it was... um, we kind of just went into it and went along with it, and but the the level of uh, everybody's presence and everybody's openness and the uh, over the top joy that we felt there was truly stunning. And a little while later, we were in a a much more ordinary social situation, just with, you know, very nice people um, doing something very different, and the contrast was actually unbelievable. And it just made me, you know, in the sense of the, you know, with all due respect, I mean, everybody's life has value, and it's it's sacred, and everybody's making a journey, you know, who lives. But still, the level of uh, confusion and the level of pain, and people, you know, trying to find some ground and the struggle, you know, that goes on, you know, usually in this world. Anytime people get together, um, just made me so appreciative of the sangha, and so appreciative that we have this tradition. That, you know, I mean, in some ways, we're just exactly like everybody else on the planet, and yet there's a kind of permission to be ourselves and a permission to experience joy in one another and permission to let go of ourselves for a little while and it's um, it's a huge blessing I think sometimes you know, this was certainly true of me and my generation we come into the Dharma with a lot of expectations that somehow all of life's problems are going to be solved and that uh, you know, this is some sort of exit from the human situation. And then, of course, even Dharma situations seem very troubled and problematic. But I think once it begins to dawn on us that we are humans like everybody else, and what the Dharma does is help us open to that situation, not escape it, then, um, you know, the opportunity for deep, deep appreciation of one another, and of what we can do together, what we are doing together. Is, uh, it becomes very real and very, very, very strong. So, you know, it's good to be back with you and um, be able to just explore life together in a very unusual way. This uh, weekend I want to talk about the Vajrayana and it's interesting this tradition which goes back to the early days in India you know it goes back probably about 2,000 years of course has been presented in the West and you know we're, we hear about it mostly from the Tibetan tradition but also a little bit from Japanese and yet uh, and even though I've been involved in it for a long time I'm beginning to sort of find out that it's a lot more radical than I realized. And I want to talk about that this weekend, the, how you know, extremely uh, shocking this tradition really is and what it has to say about human life. So I'm calling this the path of Vajrayana, the path of desire. And I thought it would be interesting for us to take a look at that and see what that means in our tradition. And there's a lot of, um, you know, there are a lot of things to say and a lot of things to explore. And uh, I think we live in a time now where the Vajrayana is, uh, maybe we can understand more than uh, we, than my generation did when Rimsha first taught. What I'm feeling now is that he presented a kind of, um, he presented the forms and he said a little bit about what the forms meant, but he didn't really talk about it. And the way in which he taught Vajrayana actually was in his life, which he didn't talk about. The man did not talk about his life. He simply lived in a certain way. So for me, the most important um, vehicle for deepening my own understanding is is not the books, and it's not the tapes, and it's not the texts and the teachings and the practices, but it's who he was as a person. So that's another aspect of this I want to talk about, you know, this weekend. So I thought it would be helpful, we have a few people tonight who haven't been here before and their uh, family members or friends. And I thought for them and also for us it would be possibly helpful to talk about what this lineage is. Um, once again, coming around and taking a look. And uh, I thought I would do it in terms of the three jewels. And, you know, this is important because we're in a quite a... Uh, An unprecedented transition in the terms of Buddhism being in the modern world. There's a conversation that is starting to gel among people like me who are teaching Buddhism and teaching Vajrayana Buddhism, but who are Westerners, who are not uh, Asians. One of the most important themes in this conversation is how much of a shift is occurring and is going to have to occur with Buddhism if it's really going to be an expression of contemporary spirituality. And Of course, now we're not talking about the Western world, we're talking about the whole world. That um, you know, we have these, these fundamental axial ages that we've all been through you know, as a species. But the one that we're going through now is probably the most radical that people have ever gone through the change from you know, an agricultural society to a society that is based on technology and a whole world culture. Every time the human race has gone through one of these fundamental shifts, spirituality dies and is reborn. Dies means that all of the forms that were inherited become um, inadequate. And the people who live in in that time of change have no choice but to let go of what was. And then out of that collapse of cultures and values and kinds of spirituality comes something very new. It's interesting that Buddhism has actually survived some of these major changes. You know, Buddhism has actually come through and we could ask why. And it's because In a sense, Buddhism is not really a tradition. It's not really, you know, of course it is a tradition in a way, but in another way, Buddhism is saying that in order for the spirituality of an individual person to be up-to-date and to be powerful, it has to be an expression of that person's understanding and, and the fullest depths of that person's experience. And Buddhism, therefore, rather than providing answers, it actually gives us techniques to uncover and disclose who we really are, fundamentally. So, from that point of view, Buddhism can survive any change, because it's not really trying to carry anything from the past into the future. It's simply giving us a way to deal with the fact that the past is inadequate. So, um, what I I just want to ask myself uh, some questions with you. Um, maybe we can talk a little bit. When we talk about uh, Santana or we, in Sanskrit, or a gyu in Tibetan, which means lineage, what are we really talking about? You know, are we talking about an institution? Are we talking about a, a set of beliefs? Are we talking about um, a group of people? Are we talking about a particular credential that's passed on from one group to another? I mean, really, fundamentally, when we talk about lineage, we're talking about a certain something that's passed on from one person to another. And it isn't really even passed on. It's that when we grow up and we meet people, there are certain people that open things up in us. And the people that open up the greatest depths in us and show us the fullness of our own nature, those are the people that we're really attracted to. And from that point of view, a lineage is a way of experiencing life and a way that, uh, you know, how do we... How is it that we experience life in a certain way? Somebody teaches us. In Buddhism, the, the fundamental meaning of lineage is the passing on from one generation to another the challenge to open up to our fullest depths and the practices that go along with it to let us do that. So it's really not institutional at all. And if we look back to the Vajrayana in India, you know, a teacher might have a hundred students and ninety-nine of them didn't get it and they became famous. And then one person did get it and was a total outcast and that was the person that passed on the lineage. And then that person, male or female, had hundred students and 99 didn't get it and became famous. And then one person got it and was a total outcast and the lineage passed through him or her. So it's a very strange kind of thing that often this lineage has passed through people in situations that were, um, from a social standpoint, totally anathema to the surrounding society. And this uh, creates a a very interesting challenge for us because we, you know, we live in the modern world and we're so impressed by fame and credentials and people who've written books and um, you know, what people think about other people. But really, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, The true, you know, the true thing that we are being asked to incorporate and integrate and realize in ourselves has nothing to do with any of that. And our question is, how can we, you know, what is the basis for us judging in ourselves or judging in each other when the true lineage is surviving? How do we know? What does it mean to have the integrity of this lineage of Chogyam Trungpa? How How do we understand that? And how do we pass it on? And how do we not become diverted into sort of facsimiles or, you know, fake versions of Buddhism and of the Dharma? So we don't really know what the lineage is, actually. Except we know when it happens when we hit a wall, when we go into retreat, and um, all of our strategies for practicing collapse, when we've been practicing for twenty years, and all of a sudden we realize we don't know how to meditate. When our um, we realize that we actually don't care about our Vajra brothers and sisters at all. You know that we realize we're totally narcissistic people. You know, when we discover that what we've been practicing is actual spiritual materialism, and we've been working hard for a long time to um, use the Dharma to shore up our ego. Strangely enough, when we have these kinds of uh, realizations and these kinds of shocks, the lineage is alive and well. The lineage is the communication of reality that shows us where we're off track, and that makes it impossible for us to keep going in that direction.
0: To download more of Reggie's teachings, find out about upcoming retreats, and to explore a variety of audio listening guides to assist you on your spiritual journey, please visit DharmaOcean.org. Music is by Jeff Beale and Nawang Ketchog from the album Tibet, Cry of the Snow Lion.